for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the house of hardcore, and the heart and soul of professional wrestling, Tommy Dreamer and I, Remember, the great Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. We share moments and memories with you, the Busted Open Nation, and we also have two amazing guests that are going to share their memories about his life and career. Ted DiBiase is going to join us, also a Hall of Famer, and another Hall of Famer, Eric Bischoff, all about Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who we lost at the age of 71 right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And if you think about his career and his entire career from day one, uh, I mean, he was always a big star coming into the business, picked up the business and became a major star in every territory he worked. And I mean, the list is going to go on and on. And when I tell you just, uh, I know how, when I go and we have our Tommy dreamer, uh, memorial show i want people just to go back and watch my matches because that's my body of work even his son said he loved that you hated him because he knew he was doing what he was supposed to do and uh that's comforting because when you go back and you go on the peacock network or you go on youtube we stay young forever and he's got that unbelievable body his work rate is always great even till later on in his career but like I said, you stay young forever, and those are the memories that you want to keep for people. And Tommy, um, you know, obviously Paul Orndorff uh, has been on our minds over the last few months. You know, there were reports that he was in ill health, and then we saw a picture that his son posted of him sitting on the sofa drinking a beer, and I think everybody had high hopes that maybe he was doing a little bit better, and then finding out at the age of 71 yesterday that he had passed. And 71 is so young, but, you know, a lot of wrestlers from that period put their bodies on the line, and Mr. Wonderful is no exception. And you talked about, like, what his son said about, you know, he loved the fans, but the fans hated him because he was doing his job. But when you look at what Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff was able to do, and some of my best memories of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff 
were with like a Salvatore Belomo. And there's a and there's a couple of memories that come to mind. That's enhancement talent, Tommy. Like, you know, it did it didn't have to be a five star match. It didn't have to be a WrestleMania main event, though he was involved in those as well. He did even the simplest things wonderful. And thus the name Mr. Wonderful. He is a true legend, a true icon, and I'm glad that we're gonna remember him this morning. Dude, even if you remember his horrible ring music that was just basically stating his name was so irritating. And then to irritate the fans so much and just to do simple little things like taking off your robe to show your body or to show, you know, give a bicep pose to then kicking down your baby face uh, opponent, whoever he was, he made whoever he was facing when he was a heel make people cheer him. They want to see yeah. people's uh, kick his ass. And he was, again, that, that rabbit hole I went down last night, I, you almost forget of how good he was. And then, you know, kudos to the social media when it is used for good. You see how one man affected so many different people's careers. I saw Bobby Roode, and I've known Bobby forever, put out a really nice tweet of how much he influenced his career early on and then i'm looking at it and i'm like yeah with his body and his robes and bobby always had robes and jackets like that i was like i never knew that about that uh between bobby and i don't even know if you ever met him but how that character influenced his career yeah and tommy i went down that same rabbit hole on youtube as well i'm sure there's a lot of fans uh that are listening to us right now that did exactly the same thing tommy and one of the matches I watched, and, and I've watched this frequently over the last, you know, 30-plus years, and that is his debut with the WWF at Madison Square Garden, if you remember, against Salvatore Bolomo. And here he is going up against Salvatore Bolomo, but it took, I, I don't know, eight minutes for him to get to the ring and take off his robe and finally wrestle Salvatore Bolomo. So... He went out there, and this is you know his debut at Madison Square Garden. A lot of fans, a lot of the 20,000 fans are at the Garden that night may not know who Mr. Wonderful Borndorf was, but by the time he got his robe off and finally touched Salvatore Bolomo, he had 20,000 fans booing him. If that's not magic, Tommy, I don't know what is. Oh, it was his saunter, his swagger to the ring, the way he took off his jacket. He made it like he was better than everybody else. And I believe in his mind, he probably thought he was coming from that athletic background. Also coming from that um, tough guy training that back then they would whoop your ass. And, you know, we've talked, we've gone over the first ever WrestleMania where they also didn't cue the cops for anything. And with, with being a lot of people always praise and rightfully so Roddy Piper, but, Paul was a big part of that. I mean, hell, he was in the main event. And before that, when he had set the uh, indoor attendance record with um, Hulk Hogan, there's so yep. many things that we're going to you know, talk about. I'm, I'm saying this guy has had such a stellar career, and he had a, a major career before coming to WWE. And then even after he leaves, everything he did in WCW was awesome. I totally have forgot about um, him and Paul Roma as a tag. And I was like, God, they were so good. Yep. 
Because he what did so much great. And you're right. Uh, you know, most people are going to remember his run with the WWF, and we'll get into that with the Busted Open Nation. Uh, you know, his turn on Hogan. Like, there's so much to get into it with his career. The first ever WrestleMania being in the main event. So much with his WWF career. But you're right. Like, his NWA run, his territory run from, you know, from Memphis to Mid-South to Southeast to Georgia. Like, he, he was all over the territories before finally landing in the WWF uh, late 1983. Yeah. And, and again, to go back to that WCW, I mean, I and, you know, I read some of the stuff on Wikipedia. And I was like, oh, that's right. He was part of the dudes with attitudes when he was with all the, you know, Sting uh steamboat and then I, I go back and i look at that match like all these matches and i'm saying to myself man he's so much older in his career and you know his biggest thing was you always saw his bicep you know which he suffered during his whole um run with hogan he had a bicep injury and just kind of let it go away and his arm started to atrophy but he never let that affect his work and still pile driver whenever i think of a pile driver i always think of uh, paul orndorff Best pile driver ever. I'm sorry. Like, just, I mean, seriously. You know, Tommy, you and I did a show years ago on finishers. I mean, devastating the Paul Orndorff pile driver. Yeah, nobody got up. And now you think about all the stretcher jobs, even the build that he had when, you know, you talked about his debut with WWE with Roddy Piper as manager. And then most people associate him with Bobby the Brain Heenan because that's where he made his biggest run in the business. But all that stuff was just so good. And you think about, here's Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff who can get nuclear heat. And who do you attach him with? Roddy Piper. Seriously. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then, you know, coming to the WWF and like, and then in a month's time, he's in a program with Hulk Hogan. Vince McMahon knew how big of a star Paul Orndorff was going to be. And, you know, shot to the moon. You know, and then with like a year later, the first ever WrestleMania, and he's in the main event. I, it, it's the career he had. I mean, there's not many people, especially heels, Tommy. But then we could talk about him as a baby face as well. How much he was loved as a baby face. Uh, I remember cheering for him like crazy. And it was up in the Mid Hudson Civic Center when he turned on Hogan, but his whole thing was like he was compared to Hulk Hogan. He was the next guy in line. And I loved, and we were talking about it off the air, how Adrian Adonis was stirring all that up. But he was so beloved as a baby face in the same company where he was the top heel. And if you think about, you know, his career and how that all happened and the beauty of taking the, the people on an emotional roller coaster, he's, he takes the pinfall at WrestleMania, and then he starts having beef with those guys. Then he turns straight up babyface till what? He then turns heel. Yeah. And he has another magical run. And 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 he showed the emotions. Like, Bully always talks about caring and emotions. Paul Orndorff was able to do that. And Tommy was able to do it. He's on that list of wrestlers that people talk about of not holding a major championship. He held a lot of championships in his career, but he was never really a world heavyweight champion. And it shows that... Not all the times do you need a title to have a big run or become a big star. Yeah. You and I were talking off the air the whole when he was a national heavyweight champion down yep. in Georgia, and then he decides to give up the title to concentrate on him versus Ric Flair. 
And Ric Flair put a very, very nice comment out there about how many one-hour broadways that he would have with Paul Orndorff. And he's unable to beat Flair, so then they have this big tournament. And what does he do? He goes out there and he wins the the title back until the controversial. And then later we saw it transpire on WWE Saturday night's main event with Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. But Killer Tim Brooks and Larry Zbysko basically bought the belt and they made him the champion. It was very, very back then. It was so controversial. Yeah, it was. And, you know, his run in Georgia. And that's where I first discovered Paul Orndorff. Was was with Georgia. Was that the first time you saw Paul Orndorff or was it Mid-South? No, that was the first time I saw him later on watching. the. I didn't get Mid-South, but later on watching um, the WWE Network or becoming a tape trainer. I had seen snippets of him, but he was there in the early 80s when I didn't get that station. So, but I would see him in the magazines. And I remember like, it was weird. I remembered him and his brother who had a, a brief little tag team and then his brother kind of disappeared. And I remembered him with this amazing body and this chest hair that looked like a heart and like his yep. rugged stubble that he had and that bleach blonde hair. And, I, you know, he was, again, one of those first real body guys. But he was a body guy that could also work his ass off and he wasn't limited in what he can do. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Smith, MMA expert extraordinaire, the voice of WWE's Monday Night Raw, and the host of Unlocking the Cage on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. You're in your car, you're at home, you got a lot of time you need to kill, you want a podcast, but you need to hit certain things. You want someone who can break down the crazy world of MMA that I have been in for two decades. You want someone to bring in the biggest interviews inside MMA and outside as well. Got that covered too. You want somebody who can take on all of the pop culture, all the crazy news, everything going on in our insane world outside of sports? Well, guess what? I got your back. Nothing is off limits on Unlocking the Cage. So subscribe today to Unlocking the Cage on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast to hear a new episode every weekday. Unlock the Cage is also available on the SXM app, which is free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. Get started now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. 
to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Mr. DiBiase, thanks so much for the time this morning. It's, it's my pleasure to be here. I just wish it were on, uh, on, happier, uh, on happier times. Ted, when did you first meet Paul Orndorff? I met Paul Orndorff um, right here in this area. I, I live in Mississippi, and Mississippi was part of the Mid-South Territory owned and run by Cowboy Bill Watts. And uh, and I can't remember exactly what year it was, but I, I spent most of my time with Paul here. And I think, you know, you know I'm getting old, too. <laughs> I think that... Uh, there might have been some time, you know, uh, in the Atlanta area for a while, but most of it was here in Mid South. And uh, Paul and I, you know, it's like people ask me said, uh, about about wrestling and and relationships, and you know, and I've got a I've got a couple of like close people that I that I keep in contact with all the time. I said, but you know, with wrestlers, it's kind of like. You know, uh, we would be around each other for a while and then somebody, you know, that back in the territory days and you'd, you'd move and then you might not see somebody for four or five years. And then the next time you saw him, it was like you saw him yesterday. And, um, and you know, that was like, it, I mean, and I, I do remember um, it was just a few years ago. I don't know. It's like maybe 2017 or 2018 uh, that I did a signing and Paul was there and, uh, that's the last time I saw him, um, and um, and and we were both excited to see each other. Uh, uh, one of the things that 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 is unique to my relationship with Paul is a match that we had, and I would say it was like a a coming of age match, so to speak. Um, now Paul is you say he was seventy two, so he was like about five four years older than me. I'm sixty seven. And yet I think we started wrestling about the same time. The other thing I found out, you know, in, in, in talking to, uh, to Paul was that he had played football for the university of Tampa and I played football for West Texas state. And, uh, and, and I thought we might've played each other, but what well, we didn't anyway, uh, we were here in Jackson, Mississippi, where I lived this area. 
and uh, we were both baby faces at the time. And uh, Cowboy Bill Watts came up and said to me and Paul, he said, listen, you two, he said, I want you to do an hour tonight. Now, Paul and I had both done hour matches, but we did hour long matches with guys like, uh, you know, <laughs> Terry Funk or, uh, you know, Dory Funk Jr. or Jack Briscoe or, or, or some world champion that, you know, was doing hour, hour long matches all the time. And the other thing that's unique about that is like, we're both baby faces. Oh my gosh. And so to make a very long story short, uh, you know, we, we did the hour. Uh, the other thing I would say is you never see two, two guys volunteer to, to, to lose a match so fast. <laughs> it's like, what? And, um, but we did the match and, uh, and it was great. I mean, and, you know, and, uh, Bill Watts was not always the easiest, easiest person to please. And he was extremely pleased. And, uh, it's one of those moments in my career, uh, and in my life that I'll never forget. And, and Paul was, was a part of that. Um, I remember watching on the WWE network. And I remember telling you, it was like, there was so many of those guys from mid South that literally could have been named Mr. Perfect because you guys did nothing wrong in the ring, your foundation and your technique. Even today we were talking off the air. You literally took a flat back bump uh, on NXT a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, look at you, you've never lost a step. And yes, we're all fighting something called old age, but Paul and yourself, your basics, your fundamental, everything happening the way it's supposed to be. And we just had uh, Jimmy Yang on the show who Paul helped train in the power plant. And it's just like that um, mentality has been ingrained in future generations. And Paul helped a lot of those generations of guys. But you know why yourself and Paul were Hall of Famers just because of your training from day one. It was a lot different how it is today. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, um, and, and having, you know, recently and uh, been on NXT and uh, if there's, there's more to come, stay tuned. I'm, I'm going back. Um, you know, um, the guys down there that, that are training the, the young guys now, it's a great crew. I'm telling you, I, I'm really impressed with what they have. The biggest disadvantage that I think young wrestlers have today is that they don't have the opportunity like we had to get in front of a live crowd every night and do what we do because it was doing that, that, uh, you know, that's where you learned. And matter, a matter of fact, I, I remember a conversation I had with Terry Funk and, and Dick Murdoch, uh, they had both wrestled and I made a trip with them from the Lubbock, Texas, uh, which is only about a hundred miles South of Amarillo part of that territory. And, uh, so I'm asking them questions as we're driving, driving back, but well, why did you do this? And why did you do that? And, and Terry looked at me and he said, he said, Teddy, he says, you're not going to understand this right now. He says, but you will. He says, he's like, I can't explain it. He said, it's you, you will learn to have an ear for the crowd and you will learn and understand that every crowd you wrestle in front of is not going to, they may not respond the way you expect them to. And if they don't, then you have to be able to think on your feet and, and shift gears and do something, you know, that, that works. And, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't understand it at the time. It was like, God, what are you, what are you talking about? But I, I, 
I clearly understand it now. And I think that's the one thing that the young talent don't have enough opportunity to do, because I think that's where you fine tune a lot of those skills is in front of that live crowd. So you and Paul had both amazing careers as well as like amazing moments and we're top guys everywhere you went heel or babyface, which is a testament to both how good you are um for him like to turn heel to turn babyface and still have those people and for you the same way like i i and you basically fought all the same people and had all the same historic runs if you really look at your career side by side it's it is amazing parallels of just like because you guys were just so friggin' good in the ring well um you know and 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 uh it's one thing to be um you know good at what you do but you know it's it's a t- totally different thing to be yeah you can be really good at what you do and you can be a real jerk but paul orndorff was not that paul paul was a good guy he was a good guy um and um uh, you know I, I you know i called steve kern uh yesterday you know when i when i found out that paul had died and um because like where Steve lived right there in Tampa where, you know, uh, where Paul was from as well. And, uh, and, you know, and we had a, a few stories to tell him and, you know, Steve Kern is also known for being a ribber. And he said, I, he said, I used to, he said, I used to rib Paul all the time. Um, and, uh, said, you know, but, but the bottom line was, uh, you know, uh, you know, he could do some pretty serious ribs, but he said, Paul never took it. You know, you know, he never got mad or he never got angry. He was, he was always a good, a good hearted guy. And, uh, I couldn't agree more. So it's one thing to be good at what you do and, and you, and you can be do, good at what you do and then, and have your nose up in the air and, and, and not want to share with anybody or like, I'm, I, I'm loving this thing down at NXT because I'm there, you know, uh, I, I get in there the day before the TV and the TV is like any TV we ever did. It's an, it's an all day deal. And I'm there all day with these young, with these young athletes. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. And I, I told them, I said, I said, if you need anything, if you, if you want uh, my opinion about anything, hey, listen, I'm, I'm here, I'm here and, and, uh, and, and happy to share it with you. So, um, I uh, just very impressed with that, but Paul was that kind of guy. And, uh, and that's how I remember him. And, you know, and he was, he was easy to rib. I remember, you know, and, and this is not a negative thing. When I say this, Paul was pretty frugal, <laughs> kind of, kind of like Randy Savage, you know, you know, he's going to squeeze everybody, uh, uh, but he could get out of a dollar and, uh, and he would, uh, he would sometimes carry a hundred dollar bill. So, you know, like back in the days when we all rode together and whoever the, the three guys are riding, one guy's driving and, and you would pay trans. And I don't know what it was like two, two or three cents a mile or something like that, you know, for the trip, you know? And so Paul, uh, Paul would always, you know, Paul would always pull out a hundred dollar bill. I said, oh man, I'm sorry. All I got is a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and most of the guys at that time wouldn't have changed for a hundred, you know, and, and he says, oh, I said, I'll, I'll get you next time, you know? And so I, you know, I got onto that. And so I made sure I had change. <laughs> and so he says, Ted, he says, all I got is a hundred. I said, I've got change. And he looked at me with this, he says, you do. <laughs> and I said, I got you. <laughs> and he laughed too. He, he got it totally. Awesome. So, 
This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Whenever you think of WCW, you think of this man, another Hall of Famer, another great, another legend. And that is Eric Bischoff joins us right here on Busted Open, host of 83 Weeks Podcast. Mr. Bischoff, thank you so much for the time. As always, thank you. It's an honor to be here. And when you think of Paul Orndorff, what what comes to your mind when you think of the great Paul Orndorff? You know, when I saw the news yesterday, the first thing that occurred to me was just the time I spent with Paul away from the wrestling business. Paul was an avid outdoorsman. He loved to hunt. Um, we had that in common. Uh, Paul took my son Garrett and I on a, on a hog hunting trip to South Georgia. Uh, when Garrett was still only about 12 or 14 years old, 13 years old, whatever he was. And we just had such a blast. And when I think about Paul, obviously Paul's legacy in the ring and his accomplishments as a professional wrestler, and even before he got into professional wrestling, Paul was a phenomenal athlete. And those are things that I knew about, but getting to know Paul on a personal level, working with Paul uh, behind the scenes and, and hanging with Paul away from the business were the first things that I reflected upon. He was just, Jim Ross said it best yesterday. He was a man's man and there's very few of them left. You know, Paul was such a straight shooter and had strong opinions, very strong opinions. And when he expressed those opinions, it was with 100% conviction. It wasn't necessarily because of politics or 
trying to gain certain influence or advantage in any situation. He would just tell you exactly how he felt, whether you agreed with it or not, or he agreed with you or not. But there was such honesty in that conviction that you couldn't help but respect Paul Orndorff. Um, now, I remember being one of the boys back in the day about the uh, fight between him and Vader. Now, you're their boss at this time, correct? Correct. And he's a producer slash wrestler, what you would call a producer now? Yes, he was the agent slash producer. <laughs> and him and Vader just kind of have uh, words and then they go into a room and settle their differences? Well, I wasn't there, so I can't speak to it. I didn't witness it. I was actually, it happened at center stage uh, where we used to produce WCW Saturday Night Live or WCW Saturday Night. We taped it there. We went right. live occasionally, but I was on my way to center stage. I was at a meeting um, over at TBS headquarters, which is only about 20 minutes away. And uh, on my way, and I get a phone call from um, Jenny Engel was my assistant at the time actually he was she was the she was the lifeblood of wcw at that point truth be known and she called and she was very nervous and she had a she had a close relationship with paul they were very close friends and she she called me because she, she was really upset because she was afraid of how i was going to react and she tried to explain it to me and and i said janie just tell me what happened just forget about all the you know extracurricular activity that led up to just tell me what happened. And she did. And I gave Paul a raise. (laughs) (laughs) And not not because in that, look, I I had a lot of respect for Vader. I was closer to Paul on a personal level than I was to, to Leon Vader. Um, But again, because of the respect I had for Paul and Paul was not a bully. Paul would not pick a fight. Paul just wouldn't walk away from one. And I knew that I, I believed every word that Paul said. And when I asked Paul what happened and he told me, I assured him he was fine because he was afraid he was going to get fired, honestly. And he told me what happened. And the next day I gave him a race. Because, and that just, again, I don't want to make it sound like I was happy that it happened. I wasn't. But I was happy that Paul did under those circumstances at that time, what he felt was right. How do you not respect that? Yeah, but also you growing up in the business, understand it or coming from the business. One of the boys on that end too, when the, you're in management, you got to get to see both sides of it. Well, you do. And look, you know, Vader was a phenomenal performer and a massive asset to WCW and to the industry as a whole. And I, I really hesitate to, to say anything negative about people who are not here to defend themselves, but Leon had a habit occasionally of being a bit of a bully and, and he intimidated people. And, you know, it's one thing if you're going to try to intimidate somebody you're in the ring with, or somebody that's in the locker room with you, it's another thing to, you know, bully producers and directors and staff and, you know, people in a production crew. And every once in a while, Leon had a tendency when he didn't get his way or didn't, wasn't in the right mood, he could be a real pain in the ass. And like I said, when Paul stood up to it and 
in Paul's mind, he did what he felt he had to do. And like I said, if, if it was anybody else, I probably would have been a little um, skeptical about the situation. I might've acted differently or reacted differently. Um, but again, because I just had so much confidence in Paul and trust in Paul because he was such an honest person and had so much integrity in that regard. It was just, I did what I did, made the decision I made. We had uh, Jimmy Yang on <clears throat> earlier, and he was talking about how Paul was his mentor and his trainer in the power plant, which, you know, basically, again, you're assign him to these positions to train the next generation of athletes. Um as well as like, he's basically saying, here's a guy with one arm and no one could hang with him in the ring or in the weight room. Uh, and he's probably in his mid to late forties at this point, uh, yeah. which speaks to his, like you said, a, a great man's man. He's just, he was such a, he was tough. I mean, physically he was so gifted. Um, he just was, he was one in a million um, in terms of natural abilities and natural athleticism. Uh, but beyond that, he was just mentally so tough and so intense and committed. When he put his mind to something, he ate it. You know, whatever that challenge was, he just consumed it. And, and uh, I think that was probably one of the reasons that Paul had been so successful from high school into college, into the NFL, and, and ultimately into pro wrestling. You know, we're, we're taking a lot of phone calls this morning from, you know, our fan base that's just remembering some matches and promos and moments throughout his career. You know, obviously from a lot of people's childhood that they remember 35, 40 years later. And and Tommy and I a lot of, have talked about a match that he had at the Meadowlands in 1984 with the Junkyard Dog that was like the second match on the card. But we remember each and everything that happened in the ring that night because there was such an emotional connection uh, with both people who are in that ring. And and, I, and I, I hate to compare it to what's going on today, but but Paul Orndorff really did have a unique gift of getting you emotionally invested, whether he was you know playing a heel character or a babyface character. There's very few wrestlers that had the talent like a Paul Orndorff did to get you so emotionally invested in him. And that's because in Paul... Paul wouldn't want me to say this, I don't think. But the reason that the audience became so invested in Paul's character is because Paul invested in Paul's character. Wow. He, whether he knew it or not, and this is the part that he probably wouldn't want me to say, was what I consider to be a, a pro wrestler's version of a great method actor. He became that character. Now, Paul Orndorff outside of the ring was nothing like the Paul Orndorff that fans knew of. Paul was a very easygoing, funny, um, just a great person to be around. He, he, he treated everybody with respect. I've never heard anything negative about Paul from anybody that he worked with in, ter in terms of the way he conducted himself. Um, but when he got into that ring, he became that character. He wasn't pretending to be that character. And we say that type of thing frequently, I think, when we're analyzing talent and the current action and things like that. But a good method actor will study a character and live that character and become immerse himself or herself in that character. And Paul did that naturally. 
it came to him. It was a second instinct for him where some people have to really learn how to do that. Paul was born with that gift. Like he was born with so many other gifts. Do you remember? Cause he did it for so long in his career, but then when he did that absurd forearm where he would dance and wiggle, adjust it, <laughs> he got the most simplest move over. Like, do you remember or recall how the hell that came about? I don't, you know, I don't tell me so much of, you know, my 30 years in the industry has just, it's like one big kaleidoscope. It's constantly, right. you know, fragments of memories that kind of all evolve and, and meld together. Um, so I don't remember how that started, but it was funny that you mentioned that because I got up this morning and uh, sitting out on the deck with my dog, having a cup of coffee, which is how I start every day, 365 days a year. Um, and I was going through my phone and I'm looking at the different clips of Paul that people had posted. And I saw, I, I saw a clip of, of, of a match with, with Paul and Disco Inferno, where Paul did, you know, and of yeah. course Paul was mocking Disco, you know, with Disco's silly dance and all that. And, and Disco was down and, and Paul was about to drop an elbow on him. And I think Paul spent about 45 seconds dancing around and just yeah. doing the most ridiculous shit. And it was so funny. And it, it prompted me to post something on my social media, on my Twitter page this morning where, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a period in time where Dan Spivey, the psychic, was kind of a big deal on late night TV direct response. And he was the most ridiculous character in the world. But we put together a scene with Dan Spivey trying to help Mr. Wonderful find himself again. And Spivey came into the locker room and was giving uh, Paul his psychic friends pep talk. It was just, that was Paul. And I, and I, I made a note of it because going back to who Paul Orndorff was, you know, here's a guy, legitimate badass. I mean, in every way, an incredible athlete since the time he was probably eight. And, but yet he had so much confidence that he could make fun of his character. He could have, he could be, he is funny as hell. And I think that's the thing that, I'm hoping people also realize it didn't get to know Paul. He was such a funny son of a bitch. I mean, that's why I liked hanging with him. That's why I like to go hunting with him because we didn't talk about wrestling at all. Like once we left the office or left an arena or, or whatever venue we were in, that was it. No more wrestling. And he was just such a funny guy and fun to be around, but it was because of that confidence that he had in himself, real confidence not, you know, not trying to convince everybody around him that he was a badass or a tough guy or that he was great in the ring. He knew it. And because he really knew it and had that confidence, he could also have that depth of character and have fun with that character. And I think some of the silly stuff like the elbow drop and, you know, the one that I saw him and it's just, it makes me laugh. Um, it, yeah, that's Paul, man. That, that was the real Paul Orndorff. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. 
The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.